0: Hello, this is Simon Scriver. I am one of the co-founders of Fundraising Everywhere and Everywhere Plus, along with Ms. Nikki Bell. Uh, as you know, we sometimes like to hand over the microphone to people who are smarter and more entertaining than us, uh, and better well-spoken. Um, And today is no different. Today we are handing over the microphone to Sarah Lyon. You might know her as a creative communicator, a relationship builder, or most of all as a fundraiser. She won the AFP Nova Scotia Professional Fundraiser of the Year Award in 2020. And we are fundraising everywhere. are huge fans of Sarah. Uh, We hand over the mic to her at most events and we know you all love hearing from her. So here's a special friend of ours. Here's Sarah Lyon over to you today.
1: Hello and welcome back to another Fundraising Everywhere podcast. Wherever you're listening from, I hope that you are staying healthy and safe. My name is Sarah Lyon and I am your guest host today, sitting in a winter wonderland that is the east coast of Canada. It is also Black History Month here in Canada, which hopefully starts conversations that we can have all year long, including this one I'm so excited to bring to you today. In December, a research report prepared by the Network for the Advancement of Black Communities and Carleton University's Philanthropy and Nonprofit Leadership Program released Unfunded, Black Communities Overlooked by Canadian Philanthropy. The report is linked to the description of this podcast, and I want to introduce you to my guest today who worked on this project, Jaka Blay amare she is the Director of Grants and Racial Equity Strategy with the Calgary Foundation and a member of the Working Group to Establish the Foundation for Black Communities, which we're going to get to. Uh, Jacka, welcome. Is it a winter wonderland in Alberta at the moment?
2: Yes, it is. Absolutely. We're actually in the polar vortex here on the west side of ca- Canada.
1: Oh, so God. very
2: cold. <laughs>
1: oh, yes. What is the temperature? Um, I think like
2: minus thirty one or something. I don't even oh. know if that counts wind chill. So yes.
1: Oh yes. Oh, this is. But you know, we we live in these cold places so that we can have two months of a nice summer. Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's hard when you when you when you establish your roots here to to think about re- moving anywhere else. You know, you just you
1: you you suffer through the cold. So. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Why do I live in a place where my face hurts when I walk yeah. outside, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the
2: question well, every winter for me anyways.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Well, we're nice and warm inside for today's chat. Um, so hopefully I'm, I'm having some tea. Um, I'm, I'm really happy that we have found time to talk because this report, it, it was very eye-opening. Um, how did you become involved in this project?
2: Yes, yeah, so I I joined the working group um, back in July, and uh, the working group is actually you know four uh, members uh, were uh, young people that have been involved in grant making philanthropy, uh, nonprofit leadership um, from different parts of Canada, and um, you know one of one of the working group members Rebecca Darwin uh, called me. Um, and, you know, mentioned that, um, they were wanting to establish a philanthropic foundation that would be exclusively focused on black communities across Canada. And I, you know, based on my experience with grant making for many years, um, realized that, um, this was absolutely needed and really said, whatever I can do to help, please sign me up. And, um, you know, getting, I guess, to the step of of the report itself, you know, we realized that in really um, wanting to um, present the need for such a foundation, we had to come with some facts. And so, um, you know, we've been connecting with different um, organizations and, you know, connecting with Carleton University and as well as the Network for the Advancement of Black Communities. They were keen to really dive into some of those numbers and see how is you know because we have the information anecdotally but what are the numbers showing in terms of the relationship between black communities
1: and ph- Canadian philanthropy. And this report is it's chalk filled with statistics um, and numbers and let's start with the report when you 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 all started by reviewing the funding of the top 40 Canadian foundations over their 2017-2018 years and found that both public and private foundations underfunded Black-serving and Black-led community organizations. So let's start there. So can you tell us what is the difference between Black-led and Black-serving organizations? Sure.
2: Um, So this is actually a really interesting question that the Foundation for Black Communities is intentionally engaging with Black communities across Canada to help determine. The definition can actually be different based on your the demographics of the Black communities in the geographic geographic region that you serve but generally Black-led would refer to an organization that has a mandate to serve Black communities in Canada um, or to serve Black communities and has uh, Black representative leadership at all levels of the organization's management, including leadership and governance. Whereas Black serving is an organization that has a mandate to serve Black communities, but not necessarily having that Black leadership. There's also, you know, Looking at black-focused organizations, um, and those would be, you know, an organization whose primary mandate it is to serve black communities, as well as having that um, black representative leadership at all levels. Now, you know, I was talking about how this can be different in different uh, geographic areas because depending on the size of kind of the different black communities in that area. Um, Sometimes you know it may not always make sense to have the same definitions, and that's where you know for the foundation for Black communities, it's important for us to to um, really hear from local communities what that definition makes set would make sense for their community, and um, and to be informed by that feedback.
1: Interesting. Is there? and we'll talk about data um, just in general and how we don't keep a lot of data in Canada, but is there many black led and black serving organizations under the definitions, under those two titles in the report, is there many in Canada?
2: There are, um, you know, many organizations that, that do fall within some of those categories. And I think, um, you know, we held some town hall sessions um, back in, in December, and we also had a needs assessment uh, that went along with the report that we that we worked on. The needs assessment was sent out to um, pretty significant list of of organizations across Canada that we wanted to know whether they identified as Black led or Black serving. Um, and you know, it was sent out to close to um, 800 organizations across Canada. And we actually heard back from 120 organizations that completed our needs assessment um, and provided kind of more um, detailed information about their realities um, as Black-led and Black-serving organizations um, in relation to accessing financial resources.
1: Wow, so 120-ish responded back. Because um, there's a stat in here too that I think, you know, the Black Canadian population has doubled since 1996. Yes,
2: yeah, so the Black Canadian population represents about 3.5% um, of Canada's population. And we actually um, anticipate that will that number will be doubling, um, within next
1: few,
2: you know, few years as well. So, um, you know, the numbers are growing and although the population is highly concentrated in Ontario and, and Quebec, um, it's actually the pr- uh, prairie provinces where we're seeing the fastest growing numbers of black population.
1: Wow so talking about numbers the funding numbers are extraordinary in the report we're talking about 100 million dollars 10 billion in funding from these top foundations that you the report looks at and they found that for every 100 dollars that the top 15 foundations dispersed only 77 cents went to a black serving or black led organization why do you think this number is so low
2: yeah, so you know, part of um, the conversation that we're that we're having with both you know the philanthropic sector as well as um, community organizations is to really establish the reasons why you know those numbers are so. Um, but we we did some interviews with some sector leaders um, to kind of support some of the. Um, you know the, the the review of the numbers, and you know, part of it is just um, lack of relationship between um, the philanthropic organizations and um, black-led organizations across Canada. Uh, philanthropy is really about relationships, and you know, for um, uh, black-led organizations, after it's often it's a matter of they don't know. Um, where to access the resources because they don't have those relationships with uh, different um, foundations or, or funding sources. Um, you know, one of the, from the needs assessment that we conducted, uh, 43% of the organizations that completed the the needs assessment didn't know who to go to for funding. And um, uh, and another um, um, possible barrier is that 45% of those organizations that responded don't have charitable status. So in Canada, that does limit the access to, you know, philanthropic uh, foundations for, for funding, uh, unless those foundations are in a position to actually be able to, to support non-qualified donees. And since such a high number of, you know, black led organizations are, um, would be considered non-qualified donees, according to Canada Revenue Agency. Um, that becomes a really important factor in how you're working with Black communities.
1: Yeah, interesting, the, the system that we, we have here um, and, you know, it's not that easy also to get a charitable number.
2: Yeah, and it doesn't always make sense for every organization to become a registered charity, right? Like, there's added expenses to it. Um, it it can limit the types of um, activities that you're doing, and it doesn't always make sense for, um, you know, a, a group that is serving a, a you know, a, a certain certain population to go through those 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 hoops essentially to become a, a registered charity. Uh, mm-hmm. So how, you know, if if a philanthropic organization is really looking to um, increase their support to, you know, Black communities, then, you know, exploring ways for, to better support um, non-qualified donees has to be part of that uh, equation.
1: Mm-hmm. I think one of the things with grants that we all know is that they there's such a box you have to fit in. Absolutely. Yes.
2: Yeah. And, um, I think part of, you know, what we're wanting to do with, um, the foundation for black communities is to, uh, is going to be really, uh, it's going to have a decentralized, uh, model and really be, um, Informed by local community priorities and and local community members, you know, making decisions on where funding should should go, um, and that, you know, so that the it is not one box that every you know organization has to fit in, but it's more responsive to more local needs.
1: Right. And in talking about Canada. Um, we, we kind of have this narrative that we like to play on the international stage that is touched on in the report about how we're a mosaic, not a melting pot, how we're tolerant and kind, the, the stereotype we have as a country. But we never talk about how almost 24% of black Canadians live in poverty, twice the national poverty rate of white Canadians, or how little to absolutely no racial statistics and data are kept, whether this is in education or in health. So, you know, you talked about the uh, Black organizations needing to, to have relationships. I mean, we work in the charitable sector, you and I, um, many Canadians <laughs> work in the charitable sector. We're trying to solve these problems on um, poverty and health and education. How has or did you guys find why the Canadian philanthropic community has overlooked this?
2: Um, I... Well, one of the things that um, uh, that needs to be named is that there's a real lack of, you know, represented representation of black people within uh, philanthropy and um, leadership within the charitable sector. So, um, you know, being part of decision making tables, boards, uh, committee levels, even at staff levels and um, there's a definite need to increase representation of Black communities within philanthropy. And, um, you know, unfortunately, we're, actually what we wanna move towards is that, um, you know, a, a greater ecosystem, a, a stronger ecosystem to support Black communities, uh, uh, you know, across Canada. So that means, you know, all philanthropic organizations, really looking at, um, you know, what their objectives are in community and recognizing um, Black communities as part of their constituents. So regardless of whether you are uh, focused on the arts or you're focused on education or healthcare, you know, there should be an intentional and um, actually, like, named recognition that um, Black populations are part of the constituents um, that you are either serving or supporting organizations to serve.
1: Right. I think there's a a president in here and they say, uh, of a foundation, that say, if we never talk about it, how can we ever claim we were doing it? So I think to... um, some of the repar- reparations we're making with our Indigenous community. Do you necessarily see the same thing happening in the Black community?
2: You know, I think that um, uh, the experiences of um, Indigenous peoples and um, Black communities in Canada are uh, different and yet have the some, Commonality with the history of colonialism in our country and the um, impact impact of systemic racism that has existed and that just con- continues to exist. I think there's um, a need to to acknowledge uh, these and to act accordingly to, to make changes. Um, and but the approach is not necessarily the same, you know, as with um indigenous peoples because it's it's a different reality you know like um black communities were are not indigenous to canada so it's a different reality however you know some were not brought here by choice right and um and others and also recognition Mm -hmm. that black communities have been in canada since the first establishment um since first contact uh, with canada with um,
1: cloro right So when we're talking about, you know, one of the things that you hear a lot um, and I'm sure that you heard this a lot in, in the report is diversity and inclusion, diversity and inclusion. And I didn't read, I didn't read those words in the report, the way that I hear organizations talk about diversity and inclusion. And that kind of stood out for me. Is it, Is it because the report wanted us to think deeper than that?
2: Yes. um, I think it's, uh, there's definitely a need to be focusing on diversity, equity, and inclusion in our organizations. Uh, But there's also a a need to be focusing intentionally and, and to understand what those terms means, because I think, you know, they've, they're becoming more and more, Popular without necessarily diving into um, what each one represents and how to act upon those. Mm-hmm. Um, but the report was really about shedding light on what, um, on some of the, the facts, the numbers, the reality of the, the, the kind of gap in the relationship between Black communities and philanthropic um, foundations across Canada. And, um, and to acknowledge, you know, that Black communities specifically because, um, you know, even Black communities is not, um, we're not a monolith. There's great diversity across, uh, our, across Canada and there's diversity in experiences and even intersecting identities of people who may identify as Black in Canada. So, um, you know, we don't want to, we can't, it can't all be kind of lumped in onto like a larger kind of um, diversity, equity, and inclusion um, without taking into account the, the distinct realities of different communities.
1: Now you work at a foundation, you were involved in this project, you're on the working group for what my next question is going to be about uh, the foundation. But before that, was there, was there anything that surprised you? That came out of the report.
2: Um, based on my experience with grant making, it it wasn't and and with community, it wasn't it wasn't surprising. But it was, um, uh, I guess the word is more that you know now we had something really concrete to to help you know advance the conversations. It's harder to kind of refute um numbers and facts even though sometimes some people try to but um you know it, it wasn't surprising based on my experience um for over you know 15 years doing grant making both government and now with philanthropic foundation um the the representation of of black communities has um has has really aligned with the numbers that, that are in the report.
1: And what has the response been? So this, the report was launched I think December 2nd of 2020, the year that should not be named. Um, (laughs) so, you know, I'm, I'm sure that you have heard from government charities, other, like from black led serving organizations. What's, what's the response been? Yeah. So,
2: um, there was a lot of traction, you know, from the report, and a lot of interest, you know, from black-led, black-serving organizations. We heard from many of them um, that this really resonated with their experience, um, their experiences with trying to access resources, um, and they they appreciated having this information to help them also um, build the case for for increased support. Uh, you know, from the philanthropic sector, there was um, a lot of interest in continuing, you know, and having deeper conversations about, okay, so now we have um, these numbers, and then there's recommendations that are actually also part of the report. So how how can we dig into these recommendations and, and start implementing them both within their organizations and then also in partnership with the foundation for black communities and other players so um and from you know from government um the there's also you know interest in in learning more about um you know what is what what needs to happen um to better serve black
1: communities do you you know black lives matter has been a movement that's been around since 2013, um, probably before, but it really, I don't want to say picked up a lot of steam. I don't know what the correct terminology would be, but this year, you know, we, we saw the movement a lot. Do you think that is going to help get this message across?
2: Yeah, I think um, 2020 was, um, it was just became, impossible for people to turn away and to turn a blind eye to what you know black communities have been trying to to say for for many many years and um i think um, organizations many organizations are realizing that they need to pay specific attention to anti-black racism and their relationship with black communities and and what role they have to play with this and um you know the part of the motivation actually behind establishing the foundation of our black communities is actually in part to take advantage of this kind of moment to create something that will be sustainable and ongoing um and withstand the kind of winds the changing winds of of public interest or government priorities or or, or things like that and Um, really wanting to establish something that will be there um, led by and, you know, within the hands of of Black communities across Canada um, to support their work, regardless of, you know, what becomes, what is um, really top of mind, either in the news or, you know, in, in kind of public interest.
1: And that, that is the big recommendation, you know, very boldly in the, in the report is a dedicated foundation for Black communities is urgent and necessary to address the particular and complex needs of Black communities in Canada. And you touched on it before, but, you know, for those of us who aren't in that, in that community and, and don't work with organizations in that community, what are the unique needs and priorities in general that philanthropy and the establishment of this foundation can help the Black community?
2: Yeah, part of the, the the goal with this foundation is to create a home within philanthropy for um, different Black communities. So that, you know, part of that means that, you know, we talked about earlier about how you have to fit in your um, granting needs within the, a certain box, right? And, you know, Having a, a foundation who's um, solely dedicated to black communities would mean just removing those initial steps of having to justify specific need for your black community because there will be that initial understanding already um, around what um, that there that there's a need to focus on black communities specifically. And and then it's also about um, working with other philanthropic organizations and other you know grant makers and funders to to build a stronger you know ecosystem that will support Black communities because the last thing that this foundation is looking for is that okay now we've created this foundation and that means you know all support for Black communities has to come from this foundation. You know that's absolutely the the. There's no way that that can be feasible, and um, it's more about working together with with different um, partners to ensure that we're we're all working together to to better support Black communities.
1: Is there a Black led foundation in Canada already, or is there a model? Is this a is this unique? We have international listeners. Uh, listeners, is this is this going to be a first of its kind?
2: It's definitely going to be a first of its kind in Canada. There are some, you know, um, black-led or black-focused foundations in um, the United States. Um, you know, and but, but it's also a different um, environment down in the states. But we're also, you know, uh, connecting with different uh, groups down there to um, to learn from them and to to build relationships. Um, there, there are definitely some. Um, foundations that um, do support Black communities in Canada. Um, But this would be um, a first of its kind in being focused, you know, on um, Black communities across Canada exclusively and not being tied to kind of, um, you know, a certain geographic region, for example.
1: So what are the next steps in getting that going?
2: Yeah. So, you know, we're having, um, conversations with different, um, different groups that, in, that includes, you know, community, community organizations that includes the philanthropic sector, um, that includes government to really, um, get this off the ground. There's been a lot of progress and we're kind of, uh, flying the plane as, as we're building it. And, uh, it's been really exciting, a lot of hard work, um, uh, but, you know, um, making a lot of progress really quickly and, and happy to connect with anyone who wants to learn more or be involved in this initiative.
1: you flying the plane. Well, yeah, isn't that, isn't that how we all start? How the, yes. all the <laughs> philanthropy starts? <laughs> so yeah. the report, like I said, it's going to be linked. And, you know, to anybody who's listening, wherever you are in the world, I mean, Jack, I, this is this is happening in every country's charitable sector. Would you say that yeah, we're maybe I mean, overlooking this?
2: Um, I, I, you know, I've, I'm connected with um, community foundations in Germany and and Russia, and you know, we were sharing, you know, the the results of of this report, and um, and it's interesting that they're having similar conversations over there as well. And I think, you know, the, the there's a need for for all of us to really be thinking about what is the impact of systemic anti-black racism around the world because um, it is it is a global um, global it, 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 it is happening around the world. so there's a need to to be looking
1: at that. So we encourage you to read the report and to share the report. Um, and where can people, after they've listened to this podcast, they've heard your great interview, they've read the great report, uh, where can people learn more or follow the work uh, that you guys are doing? Yes, yeah, so
2: uh, we have a website right now, um, org. Um, you can connect with us on social, so on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, shortly on Instagram. Um, it, the handle is at FDNBLKCOMM, and uh, we're also going to be on LinkedIn. So really come and connect with us. Be part of the conversation um, and we're happy to, to, to have conversations with people and to, to work together on this.
1: Well, I look forward to following um, and to being part of the conversation and um, helping to, to really get this out there so that we can build this foundation uh, in Canada. So this is great. I wanna thank you for all the hard work that you've done on the project and you know sharing your lived experiences and uh, for joining us today. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you so much, Sarah. This was a really great conversation. Thanks for
1: for inviting me. Thanks, everybody, for listening to another Fundraising Everywhere podcast. I am your guest host, Sarah, and that was Jacka Blay Amare. And uh, we look forward to talking to you soon.
0: Thank you so much for listening back to the recording of this. We hope you'll be able to join us for the live event next time. In the meantime, if you want to check out all of our events and look at all of the content we have available for instant access, then please go to fundraisingeverywhere.com. You can use the discount code FEPODCAST for a special treat.